0: Yeah, a couple of you are, anyway. A couple of us, anyway, aren't they? We're glad you're here today, and uh, glad you came to worship the Lord and, and uh, in His service. Uh, kind of reminded the, of the preacher years ago, and some of you remember, especially Brian back there on the board, remember when they used to have the cords. I remember I had a cord, they'd put that lapel on me, and, They have a cord, and I remember that uh, because I moved so much, they made a a huge cord, you know. I walked one side of the stage and the other, and every once in a while you'd throw that cord. Well, a preacher had that lapel mic on, and and, uh, he was walking back and forth throwing the cord, and pretty soon he threw it the wrong way and got kind of tangled up in it and got untangled and went to the other side and did it a couple of times. And finally a little girl sitting about four pews back reached forward and said to her mother, if he gets loose, do you think he'll bite? <laughs> Kids always have the answers. I tell you this morning, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was an awesome thing yesterday to, to sit and watch for a few moments the pastor that had been released from prison after two years. And giving God the credit because of prayers around the nation that prayed and prayed and prayed. And the most awesome thing was, to me at least, is when he gave his testimony and then his wife, and then he walked over to the president and said, I'd like to pray for you. I don't remember in my lifetime of ever a man actually getting out of a chair and kneeling and putting his hand on the President of the United States and praying for him. And then his wife, sitting back there, like most preachers' wife, he didn't say enough, so she prayed. It was wonderful. It was just, it was just it just heartwarming is the words that I want to say. I believe that there's hope for our nation when we come to the place till we learn how to pray. And I thought this morning about even before that happened, during the week as I was preparing and I thought of David in the book of Psalms, in Psalms number 51, verse 10, and then going over to book 85 in the word of Psalms. And David said these words, Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant unto me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your way and sinners will turn back to you. Then in, verse, over in chapter 85, he, he continued somewhat with that. 85 verses 6 and 7 says, Will you revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? And show us your unfailing love, O Lord. I want to talk to you this morning about, Lord, revive the church. We need in the church today, and I think about this. I think about this because this is a time of year that for years that we would have what we called revivals. We would have, well, back in the early days when I first started, we used to go ten days and sometimes extended even beyond that. And then we went back to one week. I said, when I retired, someone said, what are you going to do? I said, I think I'll just book me a lot of revivals. And then I found out churches don't have revivals anymore. I used to say that if I was going to give up a Sunday in my pulpit, I would never go anywhere for a a, a short-term, two- or three-day revival, and, and I had to eat my words. Because you know what? I found out they would say, Come Sunday through Wednesday, or Wednesday through Sunday. And so we found that in the church today, we have lost that revival spirit. Now, I'm a firm believer that the reason why we have difficulty today in finding leaders within the church, in finding pastors and missionaries and associates and music ministers, a lot of times the reason why, in my opinion is, is because we no longer have revivals where we pray and ask God to anoint our young people, and those to come into the house of God, to follow that calling. The calling is not there because we don't give the opportunity anymore. But I thought about the young. You know, I thought, why is it that everything with power seems to want to get a grip on the youth? Why do they want to get a grip on the youth? And I thought about this. Why does industry and businesses want them? Why are colleges searched annually for the best young men and young women on the face of the earth? Because every part of our economy depends on the young. You see, they say that young blood is what the company needs. You hear the motto all the time, give us more blood, young blood. We hear it from manufacturing plants, from computer offices, from all kinds of advertising and businesses. The cry is for new young men and women with new ideas and new concepts. And so because the world is crying for that, we have been foolish enough in the church to try to make that same claim in the leadership of the church. We hear people say all the time, what we need is younger preachers. We need younger musicians. We need younger teachers. Let me tell you something. When I begin to look at the Scripture, God never calls according to the age or male or female. God calls because people are needed. And so when I begin to think about it, the church, I believe, has overlooked one vital phase of the church for many, many years. And that vital phase is that, my friend, God does not depend on quality. God doesn't work on his mission only because of age. I mean, God can use you at 17 as well as at 71. God doesn't make jurisdictions on age. Christ's work did not rise and fall on finding new blood or young blood. In fact, if you look, Jesus' success and the bulk of His work depended and still depends on finding people who are willing to submit themselves to the Almighty God and for His anointing upon their life. He doesn't care how old or how young you are. God needs workers, and God will anoint those workers depending upon their commitment. This is the work of Christ, taking old souls and re them. How many of you remember the old recap tires? When I was a young boy growing up, I couldn't afford new tires. If I got one that wasn't out of the scrap pile, it was going to be a retread. It was going to be a a retread tire. You know what? You hardly find them anymore. Because you see, we throw them away. Because that's the concept that we have. We have this concept in the world today that if something is worn or something is, is kind of, kind of wore down and it don't seem to have the use that it one time had, we just throw it away. We don't retread it. But that's not the concept that God had. That's the reason why he said, and David said, revive us. You see, you had to have something before you could revive it. And so you see, God is in the business today of retreading and resouling people. Remember that today. Remember Mary Magdalene? You remember that woman of the street? Remember she had she was one of Jesus' most faithful followers. If you and I were to choose her to be one of the spokespersons for Christ, we probably would have never done it. But you see, God, through His anointing upon her life, she was the most faithful follower Jesus had. But look at her background. She was a woman of the street. Why, they said in her day they would stone her to death. But Jesus called her and resold her and changed her and made her a vessel that could be used. As I begin to look at the Scriptures, look at Peter. Peter was more than a gem in the rough. He was over the hill in age and had no potential whatsoever. If anybody looked at Peter, they would have never thought of Peter as being somebody that could do something for the Lord. But notice as we look at this, Jesus saw him, not for his age and not for the potential that he had, but Jesus saw a person that could be committed to him and that he could use. And then you look at his life and look at the Pentecostal message. Go back and reread it. Here was a man that preached and 3,000 souls were saved in one sermon. Man, i am tell you what, we can preach for 50 years and never get 3,000 people to come in a sermon. But you see, Peter was committed and restored to the Lord. The first century church was built upon little people. Unknowns, questionable figures. There's one source of hope and one claim, my friend, of being remembered In life, and that is when we have placed ourselves in the hands of the one called Jesus of Nazareth and allowed Him to change our lives and allowed Him to anoint us with His Holy Spirit. The church, my friend, as it follows its head, Jesus gives life and meaning to men and women and He gives them the dignity that they deserve. You see, so many times we look down on people. We think they're just, they're just a nobody. And I want to tell you something, a new man and a new woman, not necessarily young years, but one that is made over by Jesus Christ. That new man or that new woman that has come to Christ, my friend, in the hands of God have been born of the Spirit of God. Their past has been wiped out. Jesus no longer looks at that. In fact, the Bible tells us that He buries our past in the deepest of His seas of forgetfulness. His forgetfulness, maybe not yours it do us a lot of good sometimes. If we, if You know what some of you need? Some people today, young in years, need what we have at our house today. We have to question one another what we ate for breakfast or supper. You know, we forget. You know, Jesus said that was a good gift, that we need to forget. Forget our past and forget about what we think we can't do. Jesus came into their lives and started revitalizing them. I thought about that. You know what? When God calls somebody... Did you ever stop to think about Saul of Tarsus? You know what? When he knocked Saul down on the Damascus Road, the first thing that Jesus did, he knocked him down. He knocked him to the ground. He he got he he got the first thing he did. He knocked him down, and then he blinded him. And then he sent him off to a little town and said, "Rest a day." And then he began to revitalize him. He began to change his life. He began to make him something special. In fact, Paul, was, Saul was so changed that his name was even changed. I thought about how they came to the young rich ruler. You know what he did? He thrashed him with his tongue. Jesus didn't speak kindly to him. Jesus thrashed him with his in hopes and changing him to rethink his religious views. Again, we look at the Scriptures and you will find that he leveled with Pilate when his own life was in the balance in hopes of reaching the young rich ruler, he broke with the tradition of the day when he came at noontime to the well in Samaria. And the Samaritan woman was there. He broke with all tradition when he went to that woman that came to him in need of a renewed life at that well that day. Jesus, they could have looked down on him. They could have said, what's he doing with a woman of the street?" What's he doing with a woman like that? Especially in the middle of the day. But you see, Jesus wanted to change her life. Jesus saw people not as they were, but he saw them of what they could be under the saving power of Jesus Christ. Do you know something? You may be sitting here today thinking, I'm not much. I don't have much to offer, but let me tell you something. You're looking through your fleshy, filling lies. You're looking through your own ideas. But I'm going to tell you something. God looks at every person in this building this morning and sees you with the potential of what you could be if you committed yourself totally to Him. He knows that every one of us has something that He can use within our lives. I'm going to tell you something, but the most important thing is, is that Jesus saw people. He saw people, they were not statistics. They were not just numbers. They were not just mouths to feed. They were potential citizens of the kingdom. And today in the church, many times we see numbers. We see people without potential. We just want to fill the building. We just want to fill the seats. But we're not interested so much on whether or not they get in the kingdom or not. And let me tell you something, Jesus was telling them about the kingdom. Each one had been created by their Father. Each, each and every one of you had been created by God today. And I believe that many of them deserved and, and they need and perhaps wanted a new kind of life. There was no special loss. you yeah, thought about that? You know what? When you come to Jesus Christ and you're totally saved and, and, and God is living within your life, you know what? You don't have to have a bunch of laws. You see, that was back in the Old Testament. We live under grace, and the grace is, is that somehow that when God comes into our life, there is a force, my friend, for good that is there. No one told them how to act correctly. No one had to teach them how to respect one another. There was a dynamic power of God that came within their life that taught them to begin to respect and to respect life and respect one another. And to live as God would have them to live. Why? Because that dynamic change took place in the soul and they wanted to obey the Father. You know, I believe that when we want new souls as much as we want social justice in this country, I believe we'll get both. I really do. When we desire to be the best that we can be, that God offers us, I want to tell you something, when you do the best that you can, when I give the best that I have to Him, that's all God wants. God will bless me because I've given my best. Whenever you give your best. When you want our pews to be filled with Spirit-led people, I mean when we pray and say, God, I hope and pray that in our congregation on Sunday morning or whenever we're having church, that we have spirit led leaders, we have spirit led people in those pews, my friend, that feel the power, the presence of God. That's not ashamed to raise their hand when God blesses them, not ashamed to say hallelujah or amen once in a while. Let me tell you something. When that happens, I'm gonna tell you something we'll we will fill the pews. Because God's power and God's presence will be there. When My friend, when our time is consumed with soul winning instead of political lobbying and compromising to get numbers, then, my friend, we will reap a harvest of souls. You see, the danger that we have in the church today is that we're more concerned about numbers and more concerned about how much we're going to get in an offering plate and how well we're going to be seen in the community as the building begin to expand than we are about whether God's pleased with us and the kingdom of heavens being filled. You see, we need to get back to the place where we see people not as a number, not as an individual, but we see them as a soul, as a brother, a sister, that needs Christ in their heart and life and that wants to go to heaven with us. You see, when that happens, great things. If the deep desire of the church is for new men and new women, to undertake the task that lies ahead, then the church needs to renew itself. We need a renewal in our outreach as evangelism. And that happens, my friend, when we begin to pray. You see, prayer brings forth souls. Prayer is what sends the Holy Spirit to the home and to the car that they're driving in or the job that they're working on. It's the Holy Spirit that comes there when they're all alone and they're thinking about their life. And that Holy Spirit comes, my friend, when God's people come together and pray at an altar and believe God that for those that are lost and those that need Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. We need to cast our lot with the soul winners. There ought to be uh, in our churches a reputation of, of earnest, persisting, seeking of God. For other com- of, a, of a commitment of men and women to, to have a rebirth of the Spirit. That ought to be the desire of each one of us. New men and new women come from the storehouse of the world. You see, that's where they come from. The storehouse is full. I mean, there's people all around us that you and I meet every day that are looking for life, looking for a meaning in life, looking for joy and happiness, looking for peace within their hearts. You see, the world is filled with them. And not only the world. You see, not only are the sinners, but you know what? I find a lot of depressed Christians today because they're depressed because there's nothing happening in their life. And God's not doing anything as He used to. And we wonder what's happening. My friend. sometimes we throw them aside when what we really need is we need a revival. We need a new spirit within us. We need to cry as David cried. There is no shortage, my friend, of raw materials for the kingdom. There's just as many Mary Magdalene's. There's just as many Peters. There's just as many Saul's out there today as there was in the day when Jesus was preaching Himself. All they need is for us, you and me, to seriously promise and take that promise of Christ where he said greater. Notice what he said in John 14. Greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. What greater works can we do? I mean, if we could see, we, where could we use a new man in our congregation? Where could we use a new person within our, a woman in our congregation? And I begin to think about it. Maybe, maybe, maybe perhaps we need, uh, we need those that are already in the congregation to be recredited, to be revived, to be refilled. You see, sometimes we want to push them aside. And I'm going to tell you, is it possible that there are people, who are sitting among us today, that there are people that worship within the church right here at Bars Mills that has a cry within their heart, like David of old, cry and saying to them, create in me a clean heart, O God. Create within me, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Ask for new men and new women when God might just as well reshape and revive the ones we already got. I thought about that. You know, I hear people saying all the time, what we need, you know, in the church sometimes is we could sure use some new blood on the boards. And I thought about this. You know, there's always hearing that. Oh, if we just had some new blood on our boards in our church, maybe, maybe the matter of the old boards are just tired. Maybe the reason why that, the, that we have the, the situations that we have is that sometimes the boards get confused. They get frustrated because nothing happens. Maybe a real revival among our members is what's needed. Not new young men with new ideas, but those that have been tested to time that are tried and true and they're just tired and they just need to be revived. You see, we need to pray for that. You know, we I wonder how many times when we elect people to a board, how many hours and how many times do we think about it until the next annual business meeting to pray for those folks? You see, you put them on that board and you need to pray, God, give them wisdom, give them encouragement, give them the help that they need. You see, it can be difficult when you've got to make decisions and you just don't know which way to go. And sometimes it takes the folks praying for them to help them come along. Well, maybe we need a revival in our members. Maybe somewhere along the line are the answers, but why not try to renew the tried and the true? Why why throw something away? I thought about this. You know what? I I wear a suit and shiny shoes every Sunday. At least I try to. But you know, when this suit gets sweaty and dirty, I don't throw it away. I dry clean it. You know what? When my shoes get scuffed up, I go to the garage and I shine them a little bit. Why would we throw them away? The same thing is true with Christians Sometimes they get tired, sometimes things get a little bit slow for them, sometimes they get scarred up and beat up because of somebody talking against them, and they get weary about it. why not just clean them up? Why not revive them? Why not just pray that God would help them to be a little better? You know what I thought about that? Well, I hear people saying, Oh, you know all oh, the music in the church, it gets so stale. You know, I, I don't. You know, instead of people looking and shopping around for new, uh, modern, uh, uh, fantastic uh, show people to do music, why not just pray for the ones that God would continue to use and fill them with the Holy Spirit that we got? I mean, they're great; they do a great job. Why in the world would we want to change? Why are we looking for something? And some school teachers are they losing their edge? Give you ever stop to think about this? Are they, are they losing the challenge, the imagination in the classroom? Maybe the whole Christian education board needs a revival. Maybe we need to come to an altar and say, God, here's our church, here's our leadership, here's the folks that we love, and we want you to revive us. Make us the people that you want us to be. Let me tell you something. Along the search of those new methods, why not try a spiritual revival? You know, I thought about Jim Smith one time was asked, years ago, he asked, how, how do you start a revival? How, how do you start a revival? It, it's not a matter. You know what I used to tell people? When you walk in, the preacher would show up, you know, and you'd go to hold a revival somewhere, and, and you'd walk in the first Sunday, and people would look at him and say, oh, this guy's going to bring us revival. No, no, the revival's got to be there before he gets there. I'm just there to encourage it. I'm just there to be, you know, to be the leader of the, of the challenge. You see, revival comes, Gypsy Smith said, if you really want to see revival, he said, go home and put yourself in a room and lock the door. Take a piece of chalk and draw a big circle and then get in the middle of it. And he said, just pray and pray and pray. And when that, in that one in that circle gets revived, revival's on. You know, it wasn't a bad idea. Because that's exactly what it is. You know, we got a farce idea about revival today. And I find it all the time. You know, we, we have people that believe. You know, I, I I thought about this. We have we have reached a place in our world today where we, we have someone that can play a, an instrument and sing a song that thrills our hearts. And then we have somebody get up and give a, a life story, some, some nice story about themselves. And we get a large crowd. We fill the auditorium. And we say, oh my, did we have a great revival. Let me tell you something. That's a farce. That's not a revival. That's a concert. That's entertainment. You know when I tell you what a revival? Real revival is. And I tell you, I've been there. I know what I'm talking about. I know as a young man, I want to tell you something. I would not be here today if it weren't for spirit-filled men and women that believed in prayer, that believed in preaching the Word, that believed in using those altars. Let me tell you something. I believe with all of my heart what it takes for getting a revival going. My friend is tears and sweat and blood and the price at an altar, my friend. My friend that is paid. Where people pray and pray through. We don't hear that prayer gr- anymore. When they really pray through, I'm talking about when you've got a burden, you've got a neighbor that's giving you problems, and you're trying to witness to them, then me tell you something, all the witness in the world, without you praying about it, and asking the Holy Spirit to deal with them, it's almost in vain. You see, we need to come to the point of where we've got sons and daughters and we've got moms and dads, and we've got grandmas and grandpas and we've got aunts and uncles, we've even got spouses sometimes that doesn't know Christ. and what we need to do is to spend time at that altar. You know why we are not seeing me? this is this added. You know You know why we, I believe we, we have difficulty trying to find young preachers or find preachers, period today? It's because, you know what? Nobody's ever got a hold of them when they were young. The world got a hold of them before the church did. You see, when young people come to an altar, when children come to an altar, and they have this freshness and this belief, and they believe that God's going to heal them. And, and you know, I prayed for kids. I'm telling you something. I prayed for little kids that would come to an altar that had a cat that was sick or a dog that was sick. And they'd say, preacher, my cat and my dog sick. Would you pray for them? You know, a lot of people say, why would you do that? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Because I'm going to pray for that animal for the faith of that child. Because when that child believes that can happen. I've had people come, young people come, that prayed for their schoolmates. They, they prayed for their teachers. They prayed for those that are in leadership above them that's given them a hard time. Let me tell you something. When those young people seen God work at that altar, they believed in that altar. And that altar is where God had called them, many of them, into ministry. I want to tell you, the reason why we don't have them is because, you know what? It's, it's the fault of the older folk within the church. I'm going to point fingers because it's true. It's the fault of the old folks because, you know, the older folks hasn't insisted on using these altars anymore. And the young folks don't know any idea. They have no idea other than a decoration in the front of the church. They don't realize the power. They don't, they've never been up here to see down here in the front of these altars. I'm sure that if I went along here to the magnifying glass this morning, I could see some places where people have wet, wet, and their tears have been on that altar. You know what? They shed those they shed them tears. They believed. And their hearts were broken. And they were praying. And God heard and God answered. And God went beyond these altars to the homes where these people were and to the places where they lived. And God dealt with them. Let me tell you, that's how it happens. You're never going to see it, my friend, until we learn and come back to the place to where we come back to the altar. One man said it this way, and I and I believe it. One man said, in fact it was J.B. Chapman who addressed, he's gone on to be with the Lord now, but he was a great evangelist. And people used to ask him, how can you get a revival in the church? He said, I believe this. He, believed, he said, I believe if all the sleeping folks would wake up, if all the lukewarm folks would fire up, if all the dishonored folks would cr- confess up, if all the disgruntled folks would sweeten up, if all the discouraged folks would cheer up, if all the depressed folks would look up, If all the estranged folks would make up, if all the gossipers would shut up and the dry bones would shake up and the true soldiers would stand up, the church members would pray up, then we would have revival. You know what? He wasn't too far off on that. He was right. I believe that the church of God right here at Bar's Mills, I believe with all of my heart that the church right here has an abundant storehouse of all the necessities for revival. You don't have to go outside looking for it. You have them right here. What we need, my friend, within the church, we need to tap our supply. You know how you're going to have it? It's when the people within this church, where the people that are sitting in these pools Sunday after Sunday would totally consecrate themselves to God. I'm talking about taking your hands off of it. I'm talking about putting God first, putting God on that schedule instead of saying, well, I can't this week because I got this and I got that and I got something else. Let me tell you something. When we concentrate ourselves, consecrate ourselves totally to God, I'm going to tell you something. Something will happen. God has talents right here within this church, my friend. All we have to do is come to these altars and ask God, to give us guidance and blessings and renewals and resources and abilities that we give to him right now. You know what I believe can happen? You know, you know there, there's just something about it. And I thought about it every time I go to the cemetery and I read that committal prayer waiting for that resurrection morning. Waiting for the day when the grave would burst open and, and and our brothers and sisters in Christ would rise from those graves to go to heaven. I thought about, you know, that hey that happens right at an altar. Right at an altar. I, I believe that. You see, when, when we suddenly, when we come to the place where we dedicate ourselves and everything we have to God and we give Him all that we are, we give Him all of our abilities, all of our shortcomings, we give Him everything and say, God, here I am. Use me. Let me tell you something. When we come to that place and suddenly there is an electrifying power like that of Lazarus. You, think about this. Lazarus is in that grave three days. I mean, there were people, I'm sure, that when Jesus walked to that graveside and He spoke those words, there were people saying, My God, He's been in a grave for three days. But the electrifying power of the presence of God came, and all of a sudden, Lazarus came forth. Let me tell you something, that's what will happen. When God's people go to an altar and pray and weep and beg and plead with God, God, I want to see my son, I want to see my daughter, I want to see my mom, I want to see my dad, I want to see folks saved, I want to see them into the, the lineup for the kingdom of God. My friend, it will happen when that electrifying power comes into your life through the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you something, when it happens you go home from this place, let me tell you something, and next Sunday, you'll walk into that classroom and you'll see a teacher that, that that looks like brand new. I mean, they'll be so filled with the power and the presence of God because they have committed themselves to Christ to teach the Word and the people in the class have prayed for them that they would give them the Holy Spirit that would reveal it. Let me tell you something, the same thing will happen when we open a service on Sunday morning and and uh, the song directors are, are lined up up here. And brother, I'm going to tell you something. They're, they're a pretty bunch as it is. And they got a great voice as it is. But I'm going to tell you something. When they open their mouths and the Spirit of God begins to work through them, and they sing, and it touches hearts and lives, and the Spirit of God begins to work on our hearts. You see, that's what it takes before the preaching. I want to tell you something. The preacher's got the, you know, the cake's been baked. The preacher just puts the icing on it. I mean, in a worship service, the cake's been baked. I mean, God's already worked. God's already spoke. God's already working. All we do is ice in the cake and make it good. Let me tell you something. I believe with all my heart in revival. I believe that you can go home and once you've come to God and, and you've, God's renewed you and revived you and retreaded you. I'll tell you something. You can go out here and you can go home and you look in the mirror and you'll see a new person. You'll see a new man, a new woman. Let me tell you something. It'll be a new husband, a new wife. It'll be God's new man. It'll be the church's new man or the church's new woman because God has moved in. Today, revival can take place in our generation. A revival can take place right here at Bar's Mills if our people will humble themselves and pray and seek God's face. And you know what he said? He said, then I w- you'll hear from heaven and God will heal their land and God will revive their people and God will raise up a group, my friend, that will make this church known all over this community. Why? Because God is in charge of our lives. Let me ask you this morning. Do you need Christ in your heart and life? Is He really number one in your life? Is, is He really the one that you're serving this morning? Maybe this morning you are serving the Lord. Maybe you you found yourself depressed more than you're happy. Maybe you find yourself doubting rather than believing. Today, I believe with all of my heart that if you'll come and spend time at that altar and say, God, revive me. Not somebody else. You see, that's the problem we have. A lot of times we come and we pray for everybody else. We need to pray for ourselves. God, revive me. Make me that person, that vessel that you can use that will help my neighbors and help my family to come to know you. He can do it right here this morning in a great resurrection if you allow Him to do it. And we're going to sing a song. We're going to sing that song, number 36 in your hymn book, and revive us again, oh God. Let me tell you something. God will revive you if you'll come and you'll meet Him here this morning. We're going to give you that opportunity as they come and lead us at this time. Let's, 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 let's pray. Father, this morning you know the hearts and the lives of the people that are here. You know, God, how much we need you today. Lord, we need you in this hour with, with all the tribulation that's going on in our world. Lord, we know that there are people today that are looking for healings in their bodies. We know that there are people that are addicted to alcohol and drugs today. That Lord, the only way they're going to get free is when you come into their hearts and lives. Father, we know that there are people today that are depressed and feeling bad because, Lord, nothing seems to be happening and working in their life. Let this be the day, Lord, that you would revive them, reshape them, reform them, and help them, Lord, to be the persons that you want them to be. Father, we believe that there's a mighty move of God that can take place right here in this congregation if we'll submit ourselves totally and completely to You and asking. And You said, Lord, that would be our reasonable service. So, Father, we pray right now as we sing, Lord, that folks would not stand back, that, Lord, they would come, they would spend time, that they would pray. And, Lord, let this be the day that You would bring forth a great renewing within all of our hearts and lives. Well, we ask it now in Jesus' name. Will you come as we sing? Once again, peace.